Welcome to another episode of Web Dev Weekly, the weekly podcast about web development. I'm Richard Gottlieber. And I'm Brad Garropy. And this week, we have our very first guest on the podcast, Todd Austin. He's a software engineer turned engineering manager at Creative Market. And he's also a fitness and Lego enthusiast with a passion for open source. What's up, Todd? Thanks for being on the show. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Really, really excited to be here. Yeah, we were particularly excited to talk to you because we think you have a pretty varied background in tech, especially with the recent move to manager. And we wanted to dig into that a little bit and just have a good conversation. So maybe start off like saying a little bit about yourself, maybe talking about how you got into tech. Yeah, absolutely. So when I, when I going all the way back to college, I went for business. So I did not, I did not come from this from a computer science background, had no technical background whatsoever. It was really my wife that was the one that kind of helped push me toward this first job that was a web coordinator, which was nothing more than you know CMS content creation type thing. But being in that role full time, it allowed me the opportunity to be exposed to some different technologies. And that really just sparked an interest. And so I would go to go to Barnes and Noble long hours of the night. I'd go to Panera, just sit down, have coffee, read books, watch tutorials, Udemy, all that stuff. So I really had fun digging in and trying to build apps and like make a Flappy Bird clone or make a calculator, things like that. So it was really just this passion to to just start creating things, start building things. And then of course it took a company betting on me to actually give me my first role as a as a real developer. So and that came along. There were some really fantastic mentors along the way. I absolutely wouldn't be where I am today without people that came alongside and helped out and were patient with me. And then fast forward about seven years, I've been at Creative Market for about two years now. I'm going to recently transitioned from uh, being a full stack engineer into now managing the team that I was on. So right now I have six engineers under me right now, a mix of full stack, front end, back end. And I'm really liking it. It's a, it's a, it's very much a change, but I enjoy it. Uh, totally different track. It's a new skill set. Um, excited to be doing this. Your your learning phase. I think it's pretty common to hear from a lot of web developers that they didn't come from a traditional tech background. Myself included, I came from more of like an electrical engineering background. As you started off learning, like what was your learning path? Were you the type that like learned HTML, CSS, and then jumped into frameworks? Or did you take it kind of slow and steady? And like, what kind of stuff did you find really difficult? You know, I would say the first stuff that I really jumped into just because I am into this type of thing, but games. So I jumped straight into like Objective C and I was like, oh, I want to, I want to make apps. I want to make some games like that. So I would watch tutorials and people were pretty good with it. And that was right around the time that like Swift was about to come out. So I was trying to like gather all the knowledge I could on Objective C and then kind of like move that into Swift. And then obviously from there, it was, you know, HTML, CSS, sprinkling some JavaScript here and there. Definitely no frameworks up front. But then that Smart first, choice. Yeah. But that first role that I landed really like it helped steer the career, which I'm sure it does that for anybody. But like that first role, it really like steers your career in a direction. So for me, that was back end. And that's that's where I was introduced to the Laravel framework and you know, working with PHP at a job level. And so at that point, I I approached software development, you know, from the back end, not from a front end perspective, but that's kind of the direction that went. So going into that first job, had you had experience with PHP? Or is that what you mean by they they took a bet on you? You know, they took a bet, but at the same time, 
I had I had done plenty of exploration on my own of just like building little janky little things. And so no, no, no job experience with PHP, just built little projects, little apps. And then the other part of that is you got to learn how to sell yourself really good. So it's, you know, you, you learn what you need to learn and then you learn how to market yourself and then you get yourself into a position where, where someone will take a bet on you. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point that like a key part of interviewing and landing jobs is that like self-promotion and marketing in the interview mm-hmm. too. It's a yeah. completely different skill set than what you do day to day. Yeah. And I mean, that, that goes very much hand in hand with one of the roles we're trying to fill right now at creative market is for a full stack and it's for a specific job in our company. But at the same time, we're not going to turn away a candidate that's Rails or that's Python or specializes in a different language. Like if you are proficient at these areas and you can show us that that you know how to approach a problem in a certain manner, then we'll go with it. And one of our really successful managers that left not too long ago, she came from a Rails background, never wrote PHP in her life. And she came, was a very successful engineer, became a manager after that. So it's cool watching people follow that path. Yeah. So let's step back just a little bit too. Like you, you mentioned creative market, you work there. What is creative market? What do they do? And what does your team do within that company? Great question. So creative market is a design marketplace. You can go there and you can buy and sell assets. So whether that is their catalog spans, anything from 3d objects to fonts, to templates, to graphics, a lot of people Think of it almost like Etsy in the digital realm. So if you make those kind of things and you want to make a living for yourself, you can go set up a shop and you can make lots and lots of money doing that. Or if you just want to buy them for your projects, there's you know licensing available for that. We've actually just released um, a plugin for Figma. So if you are a designer and part of your workflow is making these wireframes and these mockups and UX UI things, then you can use this Figma plugin that actually just pulls in a portion of the website and you can sample out pieces of our catalog and then if you really like those in your design you can buy those through the through the plugin so neat little things so creative market as a whole is a marketplace for buying design assets we uh, recently in october of last year we were acquired by dribble so we are a pair company with them now so you get the one side of it that's it's all for designers right so you get the one side of it that's all about inspiration getting someone that can do the work and all that and then here you can buy assets. You can go here and shop. Right on. That's cool. Yeah. So you've been thinking about hiring, I suppose, because you recently were kind of changing job roles and went from a software engineer to manager. Can you just talk about that transition and kind of what drove you to do it? Yes. I always knew. I didn't know when it would happen, but I, I knew that the road or the ladder to where I wanted to go in the future, whether that's more money, whether that's different positions at a company, anything like that. It had to involve people management at some point. Like I know you can go one of two tracks. You can go, you know, strictly a technical route and be a knowledge source there, or you can go the people route and manage, direct, VP, all that stuff. So I knew that was somewhere along the line. Once we got acquired, there was there was a fair bit of turnover, attrition, things like that. When my boss headed out, Again, this is a time when the wife stepped in. She was like, well, throw your hat in, like, go do it. So I was like, you know, why not? So I, I threw it in there. It was a pretty lengthy series of interviews. But along the way, it really hit me that this is what I want to do. You know, like it, 
takes takes a minute for you to even sell yourself on it. Like, oh, do I actually want to do this? Like, I got to rethink what am I interviewing for? But along the way, I'm like, yeah, this is, it's a, it's a new team of all-stars that's brought in, you know, new CEO, new VP of engineering, new management, all this stuff. It's a team that I want to be a part of. And I really want to see where we can take creative marketing going forward. So I was really excited about that. And I got to see the engineering team from the ground level. And when you see all that turnover from the leadership, you you get pretty nervous. And I wanted to provide that level of continuity and and just safety that people know, okay, there's people here that still understand their the management, they're maybe part of the old guard, something like that. It can it can still be creative market going forward. Yeah. I've I've known Todd for a while and I gotta say, Todd, I always thought like this makes sense for you. I think you're a natural fit for a manager because you you are well-spoken. I feel like you think things through and I think you're able to be very objective about how you approach conversations and problems. And I think that's a skill set that goes a long way in management. So talking about like your new job role, being a manager, I want to hear like the pros and cons. What what do you like the most about it? What's most rewarding? Let's start there. So the most rewarding thing right now is that it's not just about me anymore. You know, being an engineer, it's about your work. It's about your task. It's about the project that you're on. Now it just zooms out a little bit and it's about your teamwork, how they collaborate together, how they get along together and what you produce together and how that how, how those optics are to the rest of the company. How does the leadership team, how do they see the engineering team? Well, that's on you. Do you feel like when, when your employees bring you an issue or bring you a, a gripe or a problem, are you able to handle that and give them good feedback in a timely manner? Like that, that, those are good things. It's a new journey. So it feels really similar to starting out, even learning web development. It's daunting. There's a huge amount to learn. And the things that you learned prior, they don't all translate. So everything I learned as an engineer, it doesn't all translate. Like the knowledge is still there and it's good to have it. But my goodness, people management, it's on a whole nother level. And you just have to think differently. So I'm going back to the things that worked. First thing I did, went out, got a lot of books. I read every day. All the things that worked for me before, scheduling out time, that's that's going to do the same thing for me now. So those are some of the those are some of the good things. Oh, another good thing is as the team succeeds, I succeed as the manager. Whereas before, maybe one feature or part of a project that that's my, I can own that. If the team is doing other things, I don't get to own those things. But now I get to own with the rest of the team and enjoy things with them and fail with them if if we fail, but we're going to do it together in the same boat. The the difficult part, I guess, would be meetings. There's meetings all the time. That's that's calendar is just a, <laughs> a big mess of meetings. So after I learned how to just deal with that, I can actually flip that into an opportunity. You know, like take take a weakness and make it a strength kind of thing. So taking a difficult thing like having a calendar full of meetings, making it so that I have these days that are just chock full of meetings, and I go to them and I take proper notes at them, and then I have like a day and a half of my week that there's just about no meetings. So I can like, boom, totally focus in. I can go through all my notes on those. So that really helps me be really aware and present in the meeting and not even worry after I shut that Zoom call off of the meeting. I can be like, okay, notes are here. I don't have to think about it anymore. I'll, I'll come back. I'll regroup on it later. So 
That's true because I've had managers in the past who would just work through every meeting and it's like they're they're only 50% present in every single thing that they do. You know, they'd be working through this meeting, then when it's work time, they're still trying to think about the other meeting and this seems like if you can compartmentalize well, that's that's another good skill to have. Yeah, I'm, I am curious, like having gone from being an engineer at the same company and then are you managing the team that you were on? I am. Yep. So that was, that was very much a, that was a learning thing. I guess I'm curious, how has that been, right? To have your peers now suddenly report to you? What's that like? Yeah, well, it was, it was an interesting process going into it, especially when you're making a move like that, you hold the cards pretty close to the chest. So not a lot of people know what you're doing. At the same time, there were two of the members on my team that were actually involved in the interview process. So for whatever reason, that's the way the interview is set up. So you know, they were interviewing me and, and needless to say, they were, that interview was them just being like, Hey, you've got our thumbs up. Like, this is just a formality or whatever. Like we really want you, like you're really good. We'd really like you to be the boss. So that was a huge vote of confidence. And I think I'm not exactly sure how, but I think word got out to a few people because there were a couple of engineers that did leave during that time too. And I think they might've been a little bird going around saying things. And so for whatever reason, like there were one or two people that would, that actually you know, slacked me and they were like, Hey, somebody said you're going for the job, man. Like really hope you get it. Like I'm really, I'm rooting for you. So that was really supportive. So going into all these interviews, I really felt like I had everyone's support and they were all like, Hey, good. Like there was not a single person was like, that's, that's going to be odd. Like kind of, kind of wish you wouldn't get that. So that was really helpful. Yeah. Before you'd made that decision, right? And before the opportunity presented itself, looking back now with, you know, perfect hindsight, what kind of things led you and like set you up for success there, right? So like obviously it sounds like you were really good at relationship building and keeping positive relationships with your coworkers, right? What else can you see now that you did as an engineer that set you up for success? in your current role, hmm. or I guess just to flip it a little bit too, like if you could go back, you know, like six months before this interview was even a possibility and be like, yeah. Hey Todd, make sure you do this instead of something yeah. else. You know, what would you tell younger you? So what I would tell younger me is the same thing that I, that I'm trying to get my team to um, come on board with at the same time is stepping, stepping into this managerial role it forces me to to get outside of engineering and start start thinking about the whole system holistically start looking at products start looking at marketing start looking at exec and all these different things that have to line up engineers are always going to care most about engineering they're going to care about the app they don't care about timelines as much uh, marketing they don't really care about engineering they just want marketing to work they want those things out on time everyone cares about their thing everyone has their bias that's fine i'm i'm trying I'm becoming more rounded being in this position where I, you have to care about all these different pieces. It's not that you don't care about this. You have to find the middle ground between all these things. So what I'm trying to get my team to grow in and understand is, okay, we have to, we have to put ourselves in their shoes and realistically in a partnership, they should put themselves in our shoes. So we work on that. So I would, I would try to, you know, help myself do that. Yeah. That's great advice because we're, at Adobe right now, we are getting pretty close to a big release with a lot of changes. And 
really do have to have a full view of the system to understand the scope of what's going on. If you're only focused on your piece, the whole team's not going to make it across the finish line. So I think that's a great message to take away from this one is no matter what position you hold, uh, you you win or fail as a team. So with your new booked time schedule, how do you get any coding time? Do you feel like you're getting rusty? Do you, do you have that itch to scratch? What do you do? Yep, absolutely. That was a that was a difficult thing to not part ways with, but understand that that had to now take a backseat. I am I'm not of the mind that both things can rise simultaneously. So instead of being, I w- I'd rather be the master at something than you know master at nothing. So if I'm trying to do both things well, it just won't work. From from like a job perspective and a manager, there's just no time. Like I'm not coding anything actually right right when i got the job did all that like the first week just wiped wiped the dev environment just got rid of all of it because i was like i i'm not coding anymore like that's not my job my job needs to be spreadsheets meetings running a meeting well giving clear expectations all this stuff so i just got rid of the dev stuff i think just to point out like i think that that is an awesome way to go about it with just like having that hard stop because i've had previous coworkers kind of go through the same transition that you went through and they still keep, you know, like one hand in the code base, one hand (laughs) on the new role and the conflict there, like just for them, like you can see them being torn, you know, between the two. They're like, like Captain America holding on to the helicopter, right? Like, (laughs) yes, yes. It's brutal. And so like that, that sounds like an awesome way just like to make that clean break. Yeah. But that's not to say that I don't, get to look at the code. So another part of the engineer's jobs here is to code review. So every single PR that goes out has to have at least two approvals on it. So it's it's on the engineers to take time out of their day to actually like peer review their coworkers stuff. And if if there's a time where I can jump in or I have expertise in part of the system, I'll jump into those PR reviews and I'll comment on things and just say, oh maybe we should do it like this. So that's that's a good area where I can at least still exercise some of that at work. Yeah. But unfortunately the GitHub contribution graph is, it's fading away. Unfortunately. (laughs) Do you still, you mentioned that you are reading a lot and consuming a lot of material like for this new role. Are you still like on the side working on anything code related or are you kind of trying to cut it off there too? What's, what's that look like? Yeah, I don't, I don't see myself ever cutting that off completely on the side just because one of the projects that I got started with very early on was purely for the reason of getting more jobs. I needed to have a project that I could sink my teeth into, create, recreate, refactor, throw it away, remake it. And for me, that project was Canvas. And so it's, it's, it's a package for Laravel. And at the time when I made it, it was one of the only, there weren't many blogging package solutions for Laravel. I mean, it was, I think at that time, I think we were on Laravel 5.1 or 5.0, something like that. So Canvas itself is has six iterations. It's been going for many years now. And that was a fantastic way to just learn. I mean, every example that you see in tutorials and all this stuff, it deals with blogs and posts and tags and things like that. Like those concepts are so universal. And so being able to create that and then just like have an open source project that I can call my own and just like polish the heck out of it and just make everything exactly like you want it. You know, like you see these, you see these big dogs doing it like this. 
oh, well, maybe I'll polish it up to be kind of like that, or I'll I'll tweak this, or oh, you guys are using badges from wherever, like oh, I want to do that, I want to bring that in. So it, it's become a really fun. It it was you know a really fun place to pour lots and lots of time into. So at this point in time, rewriting it for version seven, it's going from view two to view three, toying around with toying around with TypeScript right now, but that's that's a whole beast in and of itself. So we'll see if that goes anywhere. So no, I'm not gonna not gonna give that up. That's gonna be the project that keeps on giving. Yeah, and you're not kidding. Try canvas.app is the URL if you want to check that out. We'll put that link in the show notes and I mean, seriously, it just looks like an A-plus marketing website. And Todd has shown me the the backend as well and the dashboard and everything. I mean, it's just beautiful to use, which I think a lot of these CMSs are very utilitarian and they feel like you're doing a marketing job. Uh, this one feels real good. And I don't know, I'm just, I'm just amazed that like a peer of mine made something so, so clean and so cool. This is awesome. Thanks, man. So uh, doing this project has taught you actually a lot of front end, right? Because you you kind of started as a back end developer and you did all the front end yourself on this one. Is that right? I did. I did. Yeah. So you paired up the versions of Canvas with my resume. They'll look really similar to the job that I was at at a curtain at a certain point in time. So, uh-huh. you know, even if it was like, oh, this company is using the repository pattern in Laravel. And so they're really utilizing service classes to do this and this, you know, I tried to formulate that to do for what Canvas's API would do on the back end. Once I got into a full stack role, I started playing around with Vue, Vue 2 quite a bit. And so rewrote rewrote the package to not use not use blade templates and server-side rendered stuff, but just use a fully single page application with Vuex and all that stuff. So again, that was a really great place uh, to learn. I, I think I'm, I'm always going to be a huge proponent of that. Like you got to have something on the side that you can play around with and learn in, not just the day-to-day job stuff because you, you can't just play around and learn with hands-on like production code. Like you got to have your own projects that you can do that into. For sure. And uh, you said that TypeScript is kind of coming up next. You're, you're messing around with that. What's I, I'd love to know, like what's your beginners thoughts on typescript oh my goodness it's 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 pretty it's daunting to say the least but it it seems to like once you get a handle on it and once you can wrap your mind around it it seems like it can tame the wild world of javascript a little bit and give it a little more stability because i mean errors and bugs can just pop up everywhere in just a typical view app or something but i i hope i feel like if if everything can be rewritten in TypeScript, it'll be just tighter, less less opportunity for it, and get front end testing in there because that's a that's a pipe dream of mine. Yeah, I always like to say that you know type languages, compiled languages, they always they help because you know that your code will always work. Now it may not do what you want it to do, but it'll always work. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, I I've never felt so bulletproof when all the red squigglies go away. It's like that's it. That's it. It's done. Everything's fine. Next project. So you said Canvas kind of followed a lot of the like structure of the the work that you were doing at your current job. Has it ever set you up for success for like collaborations with other developers or new job opportunities? Like how has having this fairly large, you know, pretty successful open source project brought you opportunities? 
Yeah, good question. It's really, it's been a great community builder. There's, there's a lot of people that have come on board and, you know, offered insight or comments. And the, the few times that it's been featured in Laravel news, that's been, those have been good times where, you know, people email me or shoot me messages on Twitter, just, you know, thanking me for it or wanting, wanting some insight or advice on it, or they set up their own forum for their own stuff and they want me to know about it. So that's always fun to hear about people doing that. I mean, from a, a purely like personal standpoint, Canvas has allowed me to get opportunities like speaking events. I, I spoke at one up in Minnesota, met the nerdery. It was just a, it was a meetup talking about open source work and just talking about what it means to be a maintainer and to maintain a project. So that was a lot of fun. Got to, got to collaborate with some cool people. Some of the biggest contributors, two of the biggest that I'm thinking of, one's from Jamaica and one's from the UK. So working with them earlier on, like in version two of Canvas, it was really fun because these were just people that I wouldn't have met if, if they wouldn't have found Canvas, if we had never would have talked, but, but we got close. We, we put a lot of work in together and it was pretty awesome. Yeah. How did you communicate with these folks? Was it strictly like GitHub issues and GitHub discussions, or did you kind of reach outside of that and use a messaging platform or something? Uh, we really stuck with we stuck with Twitter, and I I tried all the cool things too. I I tried you know I'd make we were I was doing hip chat for a little while if you remember that. Uh-huh. I think that yeah. shut down now. So yeah, and then just Slack. But yeah, mainly everything kind of defaults to Twitter eventually because that's just an easy way to communicate. So your DMs were blowing up. They do, they do. <laughs> but yeah, on top of that, I mean like. Again, the biggest thing that this did for me as an engineer, it was it was a resume builder. And everybody needs resume builders, especially when they're starting. Like when you when you know that you have nothing to throw on the resume, like have some projects, whether it's a Flappy Bird clone that somebody can go check out the source code and see how you structured your repo, all that kind of stuff. I would go to interviews and once this had enough popularity and people had seen it, the interviewer would be like, Oh, oh, you made this? Oh, I've seen this before. I heard of this. And and the whole interview just turns into that. And you, you just talk about this project that you're really passionate about. And that's super easy. Having something to bring to an interview definitely gives you like the the built-in credibility where you don't have to be trying to suss out how someone will be as an employee in 30 mm-hmm. minutes just with nothing to go on, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's one thing, man. Interviews are... They're just so weird, in my opinion, like the way that especially tech interviews where it's like, hey, here's 30 minutes or an hour. I'm gonna make a decision on you for, you know, like hiring you. There is there is one one question now that I learned from one of the managers over at Drupal. We've gotten to you know collaborate on a number of things and work together. But I started incorporating his question. Sorry, Patrick, I'm stealing it from you. But at the end of the interview, I will I will throw out like, is there anything you wish I would have asked you? Is there, this is your time to brag anything that you were hoping would come up that you maybe were totally prepared to talk about. And that like totally opens a door for them to be like, Oh, well, yeah, let's talk about this really quick. And and that's just a time for them to, to be passionate. That's cool. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I feel like I walk into interviews being like, I have so much I want to tell you because if you only <laughs> knew you would hire me on the spot, but yeah, yeah. That's I cool. guess that just, cool. just goes to say like, don't be, don't be passive in interviews. That's a good piece yeah. of advice. Like, Take in what you want to brag about, present your best self, and mm-hmm. that'll lead to the decision you're looking for. So, so Todd, mm-hmm. we're coming to the end of this interview. Is there anything that you wish that we'd asked you about? <laughs> it does yeah, feel good. Yeah, I like the question, Todd. It works. It's good. It's good. Yes, that, that's a good way to go about it. When are you guys making shirts for the podcast? Ooh. Oh, dang. That's my question. 
Hey, hey, we I, we could get some up pretty quick here. Okay, we could make that happen. I know. I know you. I know you guys have a logo or something going. So yeah, I feel like we need we need some design help with that though. Huh, I wonder if there's mm. anybody we know who might know some people. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's a that's a good question. Some <laughs> some swag would be good. Absolutely. Brad, Brad has experience selling shirts, so I think we could bank on that. Part yeah. of the side hustles. Mm-hmm. I do have, I have I have one other question for you. Yeah, that I yeah. just thought of. So going into management, your current company that you work for is all remote. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. They've been fully distributed since they left their San Francisco office uh, about seven years ago. Okay. So my question is, as a manager, one thing that I have noticed in my current job is that like all the camaraderie team building stuff has kind of fallen off the rails. And when you work at a company, I think maybe it's a little easier being like a remote first company, but when you're working as a manager and you have a team that is just spread out across the country or globe, how do you do that? How do you build a team into a team and not just a bunch of individual contributors? It's a great question. And everyone's trying to improve on that and get better as time goes on. But you're right. For companies that have always been remote, it might come a little easier, just be more natural. I would say, I mean, everyone uses Slack, Zoom, Google Hangouts, things like that to to kind of do the day-to-day work. For me, what's really important is keeping keeping in touch with people, but not not as status updates, not as all the time, like, oh, anytime you see a message from the manager, like, oh, it's a status on this or it's this. So oftentimes I'll just reach out and I'll be like, hey, what's going on, man? Like, how's your day going good? Like, everything good? Is there anything I can do for you? Let me know. And so that's that's a that's a way that I can connect with my team. You know, we do, I do one-on-ones with each of them for 20 minutes every week, short enough time where I don't want to talk tactical. I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about where your career wants to go, where you want to go, if you're happy, if you're having issues with anything and what, what can I do to help you support you? So they know that they get that time. Yeah. Do y'all do any like full team get togethers, even though it's remote, whether that's like destination type stuff or just like a, a big old zoom meeting where you talk about anything but work? Yes. You're talking still not like meeting in person kind of thing, or are you talking about that? Both. Maybe, you know, what happened pre-COVID and, you know, what's Mm -hmm. going on now? Yeah, like pre-COVID, it was every year there would be a team trip, maybe a week, a week-long team trip. So I got to go on one out to San Diego. It was a whole lot of fun. Got to meet everybody. And then COVID hit. Nothing happened last year. Now that we are paired up with Dribble and that we're, you know, a company with them, it sounds like the next one's going to be in Canada somewhere mm-hmm. since that's kind of where they're based. So I've never been to Canada. We'll see what goes on there. But other than that, so that's, that's, that's the team trip. Other than that, we have standups every day just for five, five minutes or so. We have happy hours every other Friday. People show up, hang out, maybe talk for 45 minutes, just kind of end of the week. Good time for people to laugh or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we found it particularly challenging at Adobe to really like feel great about virtual events. We were really good about doing stuff in the office and doing like different you know, like front end guilds or just like we're celebrating the June birthdays. You know, we're having cake over here in the cafeteria, something like that. Little things to just bring people together. But 
virtual events, even though we've done some of them, I still feel like most folks are, it's not filling that meter for them all the way, but sounds like things are maybe getting back to normal here soon. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. It's it's hard to know that you have someone's full attention if you know they have a second monitor right there. Like they're they're not mm. fully engaged. If if you're in a room, that's one thing. But if you're all at your own home, um, that's a little more difficult. Well, as we kind of round this episode out, I know that you're looking for some talent to join Creative Market. So I just kind of want to give you a few minutes. You know, tell us about the job description and put it out there for our listeners. If uh, if y'all are looking for a job. Uh, creative market might be a fit for you and Todd will tell you about it. Thanks, man. Yeah. So looking to hire a full stack engineer specifically for my team. So, you know, all in all mid to senior level is what we're looking for, but the job's going to entail, you know, PHP, Laravel framework, UJS, and really it's, it's building a lot of new features for the marketplace, for the shops team specifically. So how can we, how can we give shops the best creator experience, really like a, a best in class experience when it comes to getting their products out there, giving them the analytics and everything that they need to, to be successful selling. So this role just opened up recently. So if you want to reach out to me, it's full stack. I'd be more than happy to have a chat. What's your Twitter handle? Put it out there for the folks to uh, get in those DMs. Yeah, it's, it's Austin Todd J. Awesome. And we'll put that in the show notes as well as maybe a link to the uh, job posting. Cool. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, Todd, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. And thanks to all y'all for tuning in to Web Dev Weekly. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe in your podcast player and check us out on Twitter. You can find our handles in the show notes below. See you next week.